This week, we talk about a 100-year-old diary entry outlining a UFO encounter in the 1800s. Let's go. Welcome back to the Swerve Podcast. Hello. If you're a first-time listener and you're wondering what you've stumbled across, I am one of your co-hosts this week, Magnum, and I'm also joined by Izzo. Izzo's here. Present. (laughs) So what we do here is very simple. We are two random guys on a mission to understand everything in the universe, one obscure topic at a time. So... Basically, every week we pick a topic that we don't really know anything about that kind of swerves off the mainstream path, and we research it, then we discuss it on the fly during the podcast. So before that, I think, Izzo, you've got some important words for us. Yeah, just real quick, we do have a Patreon. So our Patreon currently has two tiers. We have the $1. Yes, that's right. $1 Ride the Wave tier. And what that'll give you is access to our bonus episodes that we release monthly. It'll also give you shout outs on the podcast. And then we have our $3 slap that ass tier. Now you'll get everything that the $1 tier gets, but you will also get access to all of our episodes, both the Patreon exclusive and the main episodes a few days early. So you'll be in the know before anyone else. Excellent. So I think we also have uh, a second component to this podcast that we should discuss before we get into the basics of this topic. Izzo, you've got something pretty interesting this week. Yeah. Oh, I guess I should say, yeah, we drink on this podcast. <laughs> we like to indulge in a little beverage here and there, an adult bevy. Um, yes, we what do. The hell do you, what do you got going on? Yeah, for the listeners here, if you want us to try something, just let us know. It's a little interaction that we have. So you want us to try a drink, we'll do our best to try it but this week maybe fitting for the topic i've got a drink called an alien secretion so i'm drinking alien jizz (laughs) (laughs) and uh here's how you make the drink so it's two ounces of coconut rum two ounces of melon liqueur and then three ounces of pineapple juice over ice so you shake that up and drink it and you know what it's pretty good it has like a little bit of a sour note smells delicious but yeah i like it so do you think there is some like uh ufo guy that actually you know there's like anal probes for like abductees yeah. do you think like some abductee actually had to like give head to like an, an alien or something and he's like oh fuck it tastes like coconut and pineapple and then he made that drink or maybe somebody that just like has a weird fetish an alien fetish and he's like i wonder what it would taste like and then he's like it has to be green oh this drink is green and a little bit sour and a little bit funky, which is exactly what this is. So <laughs> Jesus if you want to try it, go ahead. It's quite delicious. All right, here we go. Um, so what I do actually have? don't have any, I don't have anything too crazy. I have a Bud Light seltzer lime that's going on. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing a cut. So this is 80 calories only. So that's why I've got that uh, Bud Light seltzer going on. But then I also have, uh, what is this? I got just some Jack Daniels on the rocks. My rocks are melted. (laughs) So that's what I got going on for this episode. Nothing too crazy. So maybe we should hop into the basics at this point. So I want to say before I hop in uh, and start outlining the basics, this was actually a Patreon requested topic. This is from our good pal Spurgelicious at Patreon. This was a topic that I didn't know 
absolutely anything about. It's, I don't even think most people in the UFO community know about this encounter or this story that we're about to tell because it's old and it's niche and there's actually not a lot of information on it anywhere. So basically, if I'm going to sum this up, this is a story of a Victorian era, a Victorian era UFO encounter. There is this hundred year old diary that was discovered by the great great granddaughter of a man who wrote about his apparent UFO encounter um, that he experienced in 1871. And I guess this guy's name was William Robert Loosely. And he was an English man who had massive mutton chops. I looked up what he looked like. He had fantastic mutton chops. So this guy fucks, clearly. <laughs> Very <laughs> fitting for the time. Um, you know, that's what they say. William Robert Loosely. He'll chase your goosely. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to make a rhyme. It didn't work. He'll make you loose. I no, I don't know. I'm not making good jokes here at this point. <laughs> There's something there. Um, but we're not clever enough to figure it out. Anyways, basically, so this diary, it was allegedly discovered locked away in his hidden desk drawer. Right, he clearly fucked. He had a fucking secret compartment, hidden drawer. What else is in there? A bunch of toys? What are we talking about? <laughs> What's this guy up to? I don't know. Probably had like a gun in there. <laughs> a gun? What do you mean? Like, I guess if I had a secret drawer, I would store a gun in there. But I guess in the time of 1871, everyone just has a gun. So I, I don't know. I kind of thought he was a freak, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just He's has like a, a whip, chains, dildo, handcuffs. Butt plug. <laughs> the first dildo ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny enough, they actually found the first di- no. <laughs> um yeah, but I don't know, he had this hidden desk drawer and they found this um diary in it. And the diary it it outlines his experience. This is 1871. So this could possibly it's kind of, be It's kind of weird though. Like his great great granddaughter finds it. Like, no one else in the family for generations just cared to look at this guy's desk, and it just stayed there, just hidden well, away. It was hidden. Well, no, I, but, like, I understand <laughs> the drawer was hidden, but what about the entire desk? It just stood in his office. Nobody went in there for generations. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, don't enter that room. And then this girl comes along and just, hey, well, I found something. Well, she's probably a nosy little bitch, is first, first <laughs> and foremost, but... <laughs> I would bet the desk is probably in storage because it's out of fashion or something. And she was just prowling around and found it, I guess. Or maybe um, maybe like her father passed away or something and they're moving furniture and like you're like, oh, I got to get this fucking desk. And then like, I don't know, like I'm I don't know exactly what happened. Nah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe she got stuck in it. I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Okay. Any, so that's in a nutshell ex, what this topic is going to be about. We got a hundred year old diary that details some kind of archaic UFO encounter. And we're going to go through it. We're going to discuss it because this is going to be, if we put any merit to this and there's any truth to this, which we'll discuss as we get through, this is one of the 
I don't know, earliest recorded UFO encounters. Like, that's something I should mention. It's really important to note in the basics before we get go through the story and stuff. This is a UFO encounter before UFOs were, like, in the cultural zeitgeist. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like this was a popular thing people in the Victorian era yeah. were discussing. So the fact that it is found and you have this person describing what clearly seems like UFOs or visitation of an extraterrestrial, it just adds legitimacy to the idea because the chances of it being a hoax are kind of diminished in the time period. You I know guess. what I mean? But uh, like there's early drawings and paintings or kind of depictions of UFOs and aliens. So, I mean... Yeah, that's ancient alien shit <laughs> is there i mean like yeah, I, don't, the ancient, I don't like there's a painting called the crucifixion the crucifixion oh fuck crucifixion of christ <laughs> in the year 1350 that depicts like an alien or a ufo type oh of that's just some thing. kind of halo but that's not the only thing like it goes you Dude. know from the 1350s all the way like 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, okay. 1700s. Listen, I'll grant you that you can go back with a lens and look into certain things and it kind of looks like maybe there's a UFO or someone in a spacecraft or something. Um, but but I don't believe that this was... The, the idea of like an advanced extraterrestrial was a, like a mainstream concept. I don't think anything was mainstream in 1870. <laughs> it was just like you knew your local surroundings and that's it. You didn't hear any news <laughs> other than that. So, well, okay, yeah. But that's my point is like, so like for instance, what to me be maybe a little bit more concrete with it, like uh, Betty and Barney Hill, that was a huge famous case. That didn't happen yet. So like there yeah. isn't any reports of that. Roswell, which is like one of the biggest uh conspiracies involving ufos that was not a thing so these um like project blue book even that wasn't a thing yet like the actual yeah, government like, entity that investigated like none of this was established personal so, encounters weren't really documented or known so yeah yeah William so like there's loosely. no <laughs> there's no like clout you know like you can't just it's not like this guy's coming out he has nothing to gain by having this description and the fact that he wrote it he didn't even talk about it right he wrote it down and locked it in his fucking kink drawer right like yeah because he was like a businessman or something or just didn't want people thinking he was crazy if he started like telling everyone that he had an account encounter so he just wrote it yeah. down in his diary which is kind of gay but you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um <laughs> So, okay, so that, that kind of, I want to, I think the next thing we have to do, I want to go through the story uh, in a nutshell, because you can actually find this story, not super easily, but you can actually find a book written about it, which I'll talk about later. And then I want to talk about where the information came from, and then discuss the authenticity of everything. But there's actually a lot we have to talk about first. So let's, let's, let's hop into the story now that we kind of have the basics outlined. Um, this encounter took place in Buckinghamshire 
And Buckinghamshire is a ceremonial county in southeast England. Um, it borders um, Greater London to the southeast. So I don't know what that means. I just it's fucking in, in England or something. That's my point. That's <laughs> that's it's somewhere there. And on October fourth, eighteen seventy one, um, Robert or sorry, William Robert Loosely, he's a builder and an undertaker. That's his job. Um, title he has this experience and i was interested i didn't know undertaker was a fucking title of a job i thought it was a wrestler yeah i was like what (laughs) he's the undertaker (laughs) no an under and this makes more sense to the wrestler's name i don't know if you knew what it was but an undertaker is a person whose business is preparing dead bodies for um, burial or cremation and making arrangement for funerals (laughs) I, that's um i don't know is that like a more mortician is that the word uh today's time i don't know man i'm gonna say they're similar also i took these notes a while ago and i just have written did he have sex with the dead bodies question mark probably period i don't know that's how these notes go sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i mean it's 1871 you can do whatever you want i don't know what else is he hiding in that diary right some weird, weird shit probably all right so he's a undertaker kind of works in the morgue also yeah, a he's builder a, he's so a construction he's a, worker he's in the wwe of 1871 <laughs> but okay yeah so that's what he's up to he's just like a regular guy with mutton chops who fucks but he he awakes at 3 a.m um in a fever and he's like really hot so he goes outside to the garden to cool off and then i guess he noticed one of the stars in the sky was moving really weird and he watched it get bigger and bigger so it appeared like it was coming closer and closer to him and it looked like the object was scanning the nearby landscape so kind of like uh, the way it was described it seemed like maybe it was looking for a landing site or something but he doesn't he just goes back to sleep at this point and the next day he's going around asking people if they saw a shooting star or something because he's trying to explain the object that he saw and he didn't get anyone saying that they saw something strange or us you know a shooting star or anything like that so he's he starts thinking like maybe he dreamed this um you know because he had a fever like maybe he was just delirious or something so he that's kind of what he's chalking it up to right now but then he starts getting curious and he's like okay fuck actually you know what just for peace of mind, I'm going to actually go investigate and see if I can find evidence of this uh, craft or this this glowing object. I'm going to go see if I can find where it maybe landed. So he goes out into the woods, and then he... This is where things get strange. So, like, bear with me through this story, because there's a lot of shit that happens. But he encounters this object, and it appears to resemble an icosahedron. So an icosahedron, this is... Uh, I don't know if you're a nerd and you like 
um like the like i don't know there's like so many things people use dice for but it's like a 20-sided three-dimensional object easiest way i can describe it is like you know when people roll like nerd dice it's like one of those do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah i do i'm just wondering <laughs> like, if you pronounced it correctly <laughs> what did i say it's a icosahedron icosahedron i think it's isosahedron isosahedron <laughs> Icosahedron. I saw, no, I saw the hedron. It's a yeah. I think it's a cost. I think I got it. Yeah, it is. I might, yeah, I you, might got it. you got it. You got it. I saw Sahedron. I saw Sahedron. I saw Sahedron. I saw Sahedron. A 20 sided 3D object. Got it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's what he did. He. <laughs> I saw he drawn the object in his notebook. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so so it's just strange thing, and the thing is, it was um, the edges of it were very smooth, and they were mirror like. It was kind of like a shining metal, is how he described it. And each of the flat sides had a small protrusion in the middle. So the way you can picture that, um, picture just like a bump in the middle of each of like the flat sides that makes up the the three dimensional object, um, and each of so. And it's small. It's only 18 inches. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that's small. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> but, you know, he's, it's about 18 inches big. Or, um, or I don't know, what, what's the proper way of saying that? 18 inches long? 18 inches? Mm. It's not yeah, diameter, diameter, right? Because it's a, some kind of dice. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. Is it diameter? Sure. It's are we stupid? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> spherical. I mean, if it has twenty sides, it's kind of spherical. So, diameter is a close enough estimation. Eighteen inches in diameter. All the mathematicians out there, one star review. <laughs> we fucked up. Can you imagine if there's mathematicians that listen to us? <laughs> Maybe as like a break from their hardcore science, they need a little fringe in their life. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but the point is, what I'm describing here, it's something that is clearly impossible to produce during this time. This is 1871. So yeah. he's like, okay, what the fuck is this shit? Now, so I, I said that there's these protrusions on the flat sides um, of the three-dimensional shape. Now, what I believe based on the description what other people believe is that they were like some kind of a lens like like some kind of a camera lens that was maybe recording him and maybe this object was like a drone and there's there's reason to believe this because the description goes on to say the protrusion on one of the flat sides actually opened and it began flashing purple light so he's getting flashed with purple light and i actually i have a quote from uh, William Robert Loosely, he says, quote, With the sound of a well-oiled lock, it opened what looked like an eye, covered with a glass lens and about an inch across. Seconds later, another eye opened and sent out a beam of dazzling purple light. Kind of looks like a Star Wars BB-8, but, you know, it's that little orange I... thing. That just like oh. rolls around. Did, I didn't like, watch those. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't watch them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's R2 just like D2? a little... I know that. 
Yeah, it's like the newest generation of R2-D2, BB-8. That, okay. Yeah. So it's just Similar more spherical, that, yeah. smaller, rolls around, has like protrusions. So if you can think of it like that, like 20-sided BB-8. But Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, So like the purple light was kind of weird already. But this is where it gets weird. it's not a weird. rave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A forest rave in 1871. Uh, so the one of the other protrusions opens, um, but this time a long, hard, and stiff metal rod emerged. That I'm not. I'm quoting. I'm quoting. A long, and hard, and stiff metal ass. rod emerged. <laughs> it got in his ass. Oh, nut joke is still running. Um, <laughs> listeners, please check out our episode on Phoenix Jones, um, a real and life you'll be superhero. You'll in on the joke. Yeah. And you'll get it. Um, so, okay, so this long rod emerged. And at this point, uh, William Robert Loosely, he decides, he's like, I should probably leave now. And I mean, that's a good time to leave, right? Like, you start seeing metal rods, you got to get the fuck out of there. So the rod starts moving towards him and he's backing away from it to avoid being touched by the rod. And the metal icosahedron object, it keeps moving closer to him, um, but it stops, turns around and then leaves just before I would assume penetration. <laughs> I, <laughs> so it was, he, he got away. He, he was close. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened there, but that icosahedron, I don't know, man. It's a weird thing to write in your diary. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's all that happened. And he just made the whole thing up. It'd be He's funnier in the woods. if like a long Remember, weird floppy, shit happens in the woods, man. <laughs> yeah. A long floppy metal rod came out and then it stiffens up, just like <laughs> and then it attacks. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, so the object leaves at this point. Um, and so William, he says that it looked like it was leaving these ruts carved into the ground. And, um, you could actually see these ruts kind of all over the place, looking like it had been moving around, leaving these ruts in the ground the previous night when he first saw that big object land. So he, mm. he actually f follows it at this point. That's weird. Um, like he first he runs, plays hard to get, and then he's like, "No, we'll come back," and then he follows it. He's uh, I don't know, I, I, what's the word there? Tease. <laughs> he didn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what he's doing. He's so he's after it. But he he sees it this time. Uh, a claw emerges from the icosahedron, and it picks up a dead rat. Um, and then it sprays a substance out that covered the rat in that substance. So there's like this thin substance that surrounds the rat that ejaculated out of the icosahedron. <laughs> and then the icosahedron consumes the rat. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but it, it put it in, it took the rat inside of itself <laughs> And then I'm hungry. I don't know. Yeah. Like I'm assuming it was preserving it in some kind of layer. Okay. And then maybe like uh, running samples on it, like take 
an animal or like living matter to analyze back in the mothership. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it also, it stole William's walking stick. Just took it. <laughs> it was just like, it just took it. I don't know. That's, that's, that's in the, that's what it said. So William, he notices that there's an area of depressed grass resembling, I mean, honestly, resembling kind of what we would refer today as a crop circle. But at that time, it's not really a crop circle, right? It's just like, there's like a grass area in the woods and looks like there was maybe something landed there. But it's way larger than the icosahedron. Because remember, the icosahedron is only like 18 18 inches. inches, So it's pretty small. Um, But what happens now, he encounters another larger machine. So that small icosahedron passes off William's walking stick to the larger object. Um, so it basically what it kind of looks like is that that smaller object was some kind of scouting drone, maybe gathering samples from Earth and then passing it off to this larger machine to like store things, I guess. Yeah. Is what it seems like at this point, basically based on the descriptions I was reading, it seems like William is tripping balls right now. Um, he's just he describes kind of like that. He's he kind of just wants to escape at this point. So before that can happen, there's a figure that appears in front of him, like a translucent ghost. So it's kind of weird. He doesn't really know what it is for a second. And then he notices that it was actually himself. So mm. kind of what it seems like was happening was what, what that image was, was likely a hologram um, from a previous recording that the small icosahedron took in the first encounter. So if remember the, the flashes of purple lights, that was probably like a recording of William. And then now the machine is projecting that recording. Yeah, that's possible. It's that would be very my... Star Wars like now. <laughs> well, Star Wars wasn't a thing at this time. I I know. <laughs> but it's very <laughs> maybe maybe Star Wars stole from this guy's diary. This guy oh, deserves shit. royalties. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. He's uh, that'd be funny. R two D two is based on this fucking <laughs> icosahedron. William, William Loosely, you're our only hope. <laughs> you must defeat the Republic. <laughs> Loosely, I am your father. <laughs> what? Um. Okay, so he basically it kind of seems like the machine's trying to communicate with him. And so after it showed himself, this is where things get a little bit strange, but um, I got to take some of this whiskey. I'll take more of my alien secretion. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay. So, okay. So it starts showing him a bunch of shit now. There's like all these shapes and images and William doesn't understand because he's fucking stupid. So he just, (laughs) he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't, he doesn't get what the shapes are. Um, I'll talk a little bit more, bit more about this in the next section, but for now it's all we need to know. He couldn't figure it out. The thing was trying to communicate with him and he couldn't do it. So he, he decides he just runs away because it was getting, this is actually what's funny to me. He ran away because it was getting late. (laughs) 
So I can just imagine, like, it's such a weird thing. Like, the thing's approaching him. He's, like, scared. He's, like, trying to run away. And then it runs away from him. And then he goes after it. And then now he's, like, scared. He's like, I better get the fuck out of here. This is some crazy shit. Like, this thing just ate a rat, stole my walking stick, and then gave it to this big thing, you know? And then now he's just, like, he's like, oh, it's past tea time. And just <laughs> sprints back. Like, what? What the My fuck happened there? Are in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't want to get to chill or like I don't, I don't like what the fuck's going on. But that's what that's what he said. Um, okay. So basically, he sees he goes back. He's not there anymore, and that's what happens. So he he sees the larger craft return later that night, and he assumed it came back to retrieve um those two smaller drones so like that one drone there was like the one drone going around like trying to communicate with him that gave things to like a slightly bigger drone but then there's like an overall bigger craft that like both of those things he assumes were dropped off from and are going back to now Hmm. so um and that's kind of where the things end so like he writes this in his diary and you kind of brought this up earlier, but basically he didn't talk about this because he feared that revealing what he saw might impact his reputation and his business arrangements. So he kept the secret diary in a secret compartment in his desk. I guess because, you don't want like a crazy guy handling your dead relative's body. I guess not. What? <laughs> or doing anything really. <laughs> yeah, you just don't want him to have it. <laughs> I don't know. So he was also a builder though. But anyway, yeah, you don't want like who the fuck's going to believe what you just said, right? It's like I would and, other, and I, I would assume other people would poke holes and ask him like, "Oh, you ran away because it got late, not because you were scared?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he was attracted to the machine. That's why he came back. Probably. <laughs> Probably. He works with like dead things all the time and then he sees something that's like crazy and potentially alive. It's new for him. Yeah. He saw how big the long metal rod was and he's like, ah. <laughs> he's like, the boys back in England don't have this. <laughs> that's my English accent. Before we continue the episode, if you're enjoying our stupendous and raging podcast, the people you hang out with probably will too. Do us a solid and please pass on this episode to your social media friends on Facebook, Twitter, or other platforms. We would definitely appreciate your support. I'd also like to take this time to shout out some of our valued listeners. Shout out to Wisdom Over Fear on YouTube for your awesome engagement and comments. Dana M, Justin M, and George Bojo on Facebook for showing us awesome support on Facebook every week. Brett Metzel, Rip63, Dulce Nancy, and Mark Rigdon on Instagram for liking our most recent stuff. And to everyone else, please feel free to reach out and submit your drink or topic recommendations. May good karma and vibes be with all of you. Now back to the show. Okay, so this is another thing just to add to the story here. Um, he didn't even really believe what he saw. But 10 years later, he went back to the diary entry and he was like happy that he had that because um, it like 
kind of proved to him that it was a real encounter. So even himself, he had, even he had his own doubts on the situation, but that's what he had. That's what he recorded. So that's the story. That's the diary entry in a nutshell. I mean, there's more there if you want to go on the internet and figure it out. But that's kind of the gist in a nutshell. Now, my question through this whole research was, that's cool, but where the fuck is this information coming from? Because, right, if it's coming from a diary, I should be able to find that diary or some kind of file of the diary, and I should also be able to find the great-great-granddaughter who found the diary. You know, I should be able to find some information on this to verify yeah. that the diary's a real thing. So this is where this took me next, because I was like, you know, you verify, I don't trust. But <laughs> so the main source for the encounter that I found it appears to all come from a book entitled An Account of a Meeting with Denizens of Another World. And this book was written in 1979. Okay, so let's there's a little bit more caveats to this. Because right off the bat, you might be like, well, fuck, it's not 1871, it's 1979. But here's the thing. The book is claimed to be an edit of William Robert Loosley's diary entry with added commentary by the author David Langford. So basically what we have, we have a book written in 1979 that alleges to use the original diary as its source. Now, this is what I'm going to say next is real. David Langford's wife is a genuine ancestor of William Robert Loosely. She is, in fact, the great-great-granddaughter of William Robert Loosely, his wife. So it could appear that David Langford, the author of this book that seems to be the main source for all the information, maybe it is a real thing. We're going to keep talking about it. I don't know. But for sure, his wife, actually, that is, um, she is a descendant, which is kind of mm -hmm. interesting. Now, so, okay. So this David Langford guy who wrote an account of me, an account of a meeting with denizens of another world. This is, you know, it has the, the diary entry and also his own commentary on things. But I want to say this David Langford, this author, he does have a degree in physics. So there's a lot of parts in the book, an account of a meeting with denizens of another world, where he outlines like a lot of math and he tries to interpret some of the communications that we talked about. And some of this shit is actually pretty interesting. So for one, if we look back at what I just said, in the nutshell story, it looks like right off the bat, um, it's almost like the icosahedron was giving tests to see what William is. Like, what the hell is this organism? So, like, it looks like there was like a mirror test to see if the organism was self aware. So, like, when the robot sh put out the hologram, it was almost like it was gauging to see if the see if William would recognize that that was him. Okay, yeah. So like say you came across like a 
you know, you can show mirror images to animals. They have no fucking clue what they're looking at. Yeah. Right. So it's like an engage of intelligence almost. It's like, can it recognize itself? Like how advanced is this thing Mm -hmm. from the alien perspective? Right. Because it doesn't know, like assuming humans are a new thing that it's come across and it's just gathering samples and stuff. It's like trying to gauge intelligence. So that was like step one. That's probably what that was, was like a hologram self-test. So he probably passed that. Um, that's probably the fucking uh, robots probably wondering. It's like, why is he bent over with his pants down <laughs> trying to accept? This is new. Note that. Please note that other machine. <laughs> he wants, he understands what our hard rod <laughs> Yeah. Is. <laughs> Why when we present the hard rod does the creature bend over and remove its outer layer? <laughs> remove its I trousers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> okay, so anyways, the next thing that would seem interesting, so there was those flashes of light. Um so this Langford guy, he kind of comments on this and he thinks maybe this was um a counting experiment. And he believes that these flashes of light probably had to do, they probably weren't random. He thinks they probably had to do with very common sequences in math. So for instance, Pascal's triangle or the Fibonacci sequence. So Pascal's triangle, just for listeners, this is basically, you can look it up on Google. It's probably easier to do that, but I'll try to describe. It's basically a triangle with different rows of numbers. So like row one will just have one number. Row two has two numbers. Row three has three. Like it just keeps going down in a triangle. Yeah. Each row has more and more numbers. But basically how it works is like the two adjacent numbers in one row, they'll give you the next number in the next row if you add them. So like it starts with one and the next row is like one, one and the next row is like one, two, one because one plus one equals two. So you get the middle number and the other ones are just one because you count a space as zero. I mean, I probably can't describe it well through a podcast, but that's the gist. So he thinks it was probably going like one and then like one, one and then like one, one, two, one, like with the flashes of light kind of outlining the triangle just to see like gate again to gauge intelligence like gauge and understanding of math or like common anomalies in math that are cool and that's one of them so the other one was the fibonacci sequence and for any tool fans out there that listen to the band tool you'll fucking know this one um but basically the fibonacci sequence this is like a lot of hippie out there weirdness this is like the sequence of fractal expansion so you can construct a spiral with the Fibonacci sequence, but basically it's very simple. It's like each number in the sequence is the addition of the two preceding numbers. So it's like one, one, and then it's two, and then one plus two is three, and then three plus two is five, and then five plus three is eight, and then eight plus five is you know 12. So it just can, can use like that. You just add two numbers yeah. and get the next one, and you keep going, and that makes like a spiral. You can create a spiral like that graphically. Um, Hmm. and it's cool the band tool they actually made a song on the Fibonacci sequence so like a lot of like the time signatures and the choice of rhythm they use the Fibonacci sequence it's really cool 
but you can find the Fibonacci sequence everywhere. It's called the golden spiral. That's what it's referred to sometimes. It's in nature. It's in like complex math. It shows up. It's like this weird thing. But he believes maybe those fla- he, the during the communication with the flashes of purple light that maybe this was like a, what the fuck like an intelligence test. Yeah, or maybe even Obsessed. like Morse code or something like that. Morse, yeah, could be that as well. Like just something like that. Um, now when remember I was saying the the machine was doing like weird shapes and stuff, and like William just couldn't understand it. He's like, uh. yeah. <laughs> um, he thinks that maybe this was information on the solar system. So there was a description of like a spiky ball surrounded by concentric circles. And William had no clue what this was because, right, this is the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. So, like, he doesn't know exactly what it is. He, um, this David Langford guy, he thinks maybe that part of the diary was, like, the the robot showing the solar system and William just didn't get it. Um, he also believes that maybe some of the shapes were of atoms and also the Schrodinger equation. So getting to some quantum physics here, um, just some basic shit like that. But like, obviously like, you know, the Schrodinger, the, the, the Schrodinger equation wasn't discovered until when like, it's like, I'm going to get it wrong, but I want to say it's not mid 1900s before that, but sometime around then. So, you know what I'm saying? Like he thinks maybe this is what was happening and maybe the, the device was testing the intelligence of William just to kind of see how advanced an organism he was just to see. That's his interpretation. Yeah. The Schrodinger equation equation was in uh, 1933. Or okay, like 1925, when it was first discovered, Nobel Prize in Physics in 1933. But I guess it nice. could have been it could have been like showing, yeah, like atomic structure or even like the solar system, kind of yeah. pointing to which planet they're from. <laughs> okay, yeah, anything or just to well, that's the beautiful thing about the math, right? It's like math is. The universal it's a language. universal language, yeah. So if you're showing common, um, what would you say? What's what's a word for like just what's a word for like weird things? Like not anomalies, but like just like weird patterns that emerge mathematically. That like anybody Concepts, who studies sequences, yeah, anybody equation. who studies math will come across. You can immediately gauge how intelligent the organism is, or at least how far they've gone with mm. mathematics um, and physics as well. Like, right, if you're showing a structure of an atom, you know, like we would, and we'd be like, oh, that's, that looks kind of looks like an atom. But like someone who's never been taught that, they'd have no idea. They're like, oh, that's weird. That's like a weird, cool party light, you know? Yeah. They wouldn't know. So that's what this guy says. Like, this is what he interprets those interactions as. And I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. Now, if you've made it this far in the episode, I'm not done. 
Like I said, <laughs> you have to verify you can't trust. So that's where my, my research led me. I, I went through the diary. Um, we, we talked about the story and then I investigated where the information came from. And it was this, an account of a meeting with a dentist with, why can't I say the title? An account of a meeting with denizens of another world. And it seemed like that guy's wife was actually the great, great granddaughter. And she actually is with this William Robert Loosely guy. Here's the thing. We have to look at the authenticity of all of this. So here we go. I'm going to just get, try to get through this because this is, this might get a little bit complicated, but I'm going somewhere with it. or I'm going to try to go somewhere with it, but I'm drinking fucking whiskey. So we'll see how this goes. There <laughs> seems like several reports of William Robert Loosely's encounter, at least that I found on the interwebs, they, they seem to frame everything as this is a genuine encounter and, oh, it's like an old thing. So like, it's not a hoax because like there's no clout to be gained and like UFOs weren't really being talked about. So this is like a genuine thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, sure. But like, let's, I, I want to find the fucking diary. Like, how come I can't find the fucking diary? I couldn't find the fucking diary. I'm swearing a lot because I'm mad. <laughs> you should be able to find the fucking diary, shouldn't you? On the internet? I guess. And like, since this David Langford guy says he like just edited the diary entry, he should have access to it. And it's exactly at this point, 1979. So they have access to libraries and pictures and stuff. Exactly. So I, um, okay, so I found a reference of the William Robert Loosely story in a popular UFO novel called Majestic, and this was, this was authored by Whitley Stryber, and I guess this is a very popular book in the UFO community, because although it's a work of fiction, it ties its narrative to real, real government documents, and when I said real, I did air quotes, one of these documents is called, um, it's an alleged report from the U.S. government titled, um, quote, National Board of Estimate Intelligence on Flying Disc Motives, end quote. That's what this official U.S. government report is called. And in that report, it actually references the William Robert Loosely case. So what I was finding was a lot of people who are in the, I shouldn't say a lot, but some people in the UFO community, they reference this document as proof that the William Robert Loosely case is real. Now this report, this National Board of Estimate Intelligence on Flying Disc Motives, this was written in July on July 8th, 1947. And it was allegedly prepared by the Office of Research and Analysis, a central intelligence group. So, <laughs> so the <laughs> that's how I sneeze. <laughs> so we're talking about a, this is probably CIA, this is probably deep state, QAnon probably knows about this. <laughs> this is some deep shit. And this is why you come to the Swerve podcast, because we go fucking deep in that ass. <laughs> so, so, okay, this appears to be a real government document. Okay, now, if you go 
under the section of the document title. So if you were to go as a listener right now, find that document, you could go on Google, find it. It's called National Board of Estimate Intelligence on Flying Disc Motives. Go to that. You'll find under the section title Detailed Analysis, there is, in fact, a reference to the William Robert Loosely case from 1871. It's like, here's a case of an ancient thing, or not an ancient thing, but a, you know, um, a thing in history of this UFO account. This is kind of proof that there's some kind of flying disc phenomenon going on. Here's the fucking thing. Pause. <laughs> we know the fucking diary wasn't recovered until a hundred years later. Ah. The diary wasn't recovered until David Langford's book, An Account of a Meeting with Denizens of Another World, was released in 1979. This fucking paper, allegedly, was written in 1947. So it's bullshit. It cannot possibly be a real document. It cannot possibly be a real document. Now that's so some math. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you... Anybody who's using that as a reference, sorry, it's fucking wrong. It cannot, it cannot make, it doesn't make sense. The dates don't match. So just it, to put this in, again, to just put this concretely, in other words, you cannot verify, it can be verifiably shown that, <laughs> that Langford wrote this in 1979, but this intelligence report is 1947, so it doesn't fucking add up. So that report is incorrect. It's completely incorrect. Um, so that goes, I want to say that right off the bat. So a lot of people use that report as um, a foundation to stand on to validate this case study, but you cannot use that report. So that begs the question now, where the fuck is the diary? I'm still asking, where the fuck is the diary? I'm trying to find the diary. I can't find the diary. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. You know, okay, so I okay, so I went you can't there's not a lot of information out there, but there's enough that we can make an educated guess here. So there's two things I found that David Langford says about the authenticity of his case report. So remember, David Langford's the guy who authored that book that literally is the main source for the diary. So I have one quote from from David Langford. So David Langford, he has this quote. The manuscript has withstood every test of authenticity. It is clearly not a fabrication because the man's death in 1893 rules out the possibility that he could describe scientific concepts apparent in this tale. End quote. So David Langford, you can find a quote allegedly of him. He's like, no. This diary is fucking real. That's basically what that quote is saying. But here's what you can also find. Here is what you can also find. You can also find that David Langford freely admits, he freely admits the story is fictional. If you ask him, if you just ask him, <laughs> he'll say it's fiction. But this is what he does note. He says, quote, journalists usually don't ask, end quote. So, we went through all of this, and in conclusion, the William Robert Loosely case study is a work of fiction. 
It's not real. <laughs> David Langford admits it himself, and also that government report, the National Board of Estimate Intelligence on Flying Disc Motives, is fake. But it was a cool story. And that's where we're at. <laughs> the Swerve Podcast. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's where my research took me this week. <laughs> All over it the place. It is a cool story, but, you know, some simple math and straight up just asking people. <laughs> yeah, did you fake you, this? Yeah, if you can take anything from this podcast, it's just ask people what you want to know. No bullshit. Just straight up. Is it real? And all ju- journalists <laughs> should be doing that. All these stories we cover, just fucking ask, press them, grill them a little bit. They're like, is it authentic? The no. manuscript <laughs> has withstood every test of authenticity. It's clearly not a fabrication because the man's death in 19... 19- and they're like, no, 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 but is it real? He's like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not real. <laughs> but is it authentic? <laughs> Yeah, it's authentic. I wrote it. Like, it's right here. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Damn. So we went through all of that just for it to be fake. I had to save it. Well, we got to fucking... Fake news. We got to put our... Get our retention numbers up there. Got to keep it till the end. Yeah. (laughs) So if you've made it this far, I feel bad for the people that didn't make it this far. They're like, no, no, no. There's a legit claim from 1871. That's why you listen to the whole episode. You finish what you started. (laughs) That's a life lesson, people. Um, Should we hop into final thoughts at this point? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Izzo, what what are your thoughts on this whole thing? We went through the whole debacle. What's going on? I thought it was a cool story. Um, and a lot of like the concepts that you see, like the ISO, uh, isocahedron. Icosahedron. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Icosahedron. Isosahedron. <laughs> and like Isosage. some of the things that it's doing, like scanning and like motherships and all this stuff you can see that you know if it was written in 1979 where those influences would have came from it would have been really cool if it was real and you know in 1871 just have that close of an encounter um but yeah you can see that the def- the story definitely is influenced by the culture and you know things that you can imagine um i thought it was a really cool story and you know Things being old does have merit. Like I remember a yeah. few episodes ago, I brought up the London hammer just because I read that there was a <laughs> 300 million year old hammer that was found. And it's like, you read that and it's like, oh, it's got to be real. Like can't be just an error in the machinery used to test it. It's like when things are old, they're more believable. Even like yeah. old people, like you listen to like a 90 year old talk, you just like believe, oh, I'll everything. believe any old person. They yeah. like yeah, back in my day, we used to. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, that probably yeah. is true. Back in my day, I, I, I killed Hitler with my bare <laughs> hands. <laughs> or even like Joe Biden, look at him. People believe yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, I got hair legs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think like it That's is a cool funny. story, but. It sucks that it is fake, but you can definitely see that, you know, um, there were influences and maybe even pop culture 
influences that kind of aided the story? Well, I will say, sorry, I'm I'm gonna no, you go for bounce it. Bounce off what you're saying a little bit here. The so like with the culture, this story is pretty obscure. This is not a well known like out of all the UFO stories, like because we've covered a bunch on this podcast already. And there's some that we haven't covered because they're so covered already. Like, I don't even care. Like Roswell, Betty and Barney Hill, big, big cases. But, you know, we've covered some stuff like we did the Battle of Los Angeles, um, the recent disclosure by Haim Ashed of the Galactic Federation. We did an episode on that. We've done the Bob Lazar, uh, Richard Doty. You know, we've kind of we've dabbled in the UFO space, Foo Fighters, Project Blue Book. But I would say in comparison to all of those, this is like, this is like, I don't know, like 1% of all of those, like the search traffic, like the search traffic for the other things is huge. But for this episode, like this is not a well-known thing, but for people that kind of have heard about it and have gotten, are talking about it, um, I just think they haven't, they didn't go deep enough into the sources because you can find like, like I was saying, like, I was like, Oh, this is about a diary. Where's the diary? Like, that's like my first question. I'm like, where's the diary? And you can't actually like, for instance, project blue book, you can be like, okay, that was a government, um, you know, a confidential government, government funded organization to research UFOs. You can say that, but then it's like, okay, well let's go look for the documents. Oh fuck. There's a shitload of documents. Okay, so that's a real thing. In this case, I was like, "Where's the diary?" And you can't find the, you can't find the fucking diary. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the main true. thing. You can only find you can find a book about the diary, but you can't find the diary. <laughs> and then it's not even that. It's like if you dig deeper, it's like he just admits it. Like he's like, "Yeah, I just I write fiction sometimes." Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lie sometimes. <laughs> but I I will say I do think. I could I could be wrong about this, but based on what I was reading, I do believe his wife is the great great granddaughter of a man named William Robert Loosely. So it, it, there's like that is like a real thing, but they just used him in the story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it like kind of ob- if you don't go deep, in, it obfuscates what is real. I would say, yeah. So. I guess if you give like enough facts and you like try and make it real, you you can blur the lines to a point where, you know, people will believe it. So, yeah, he's like, I'm a physicist or no, I have a physics degree. Yeah. Here's my book. Look, I know, I know, I know, I know, I I know all this stuff. You know, I know the, the triangles (laughs) and the, and the Fibonacci sequence. I know all of that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's I don't know. It's cool. It's just um, it's one of those things. It's what do I say. I I so when I always kind of end on this like I want to believe, but like it's so hard because everything's yeah. bullshit. <laughs> and I mean, when somebody admits that it is bullshit, it's like okay, well you can't believe him. You can't be like ah, oh, I still believe it. <laughs> <laughs> David Langford's lying. I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I have the diary. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be cool. Honestly, if I could have found the diary on like eBay or something, I would have bought it. Yeah, I would have bought that diary. 
if this was real, like I would have bought that diary. Mm. Yeah, I would have kept it. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the day that you get encountered so you could like write it, write your own experience. I the margins. <laughs> I just put it in my own secret compartment with all my secret <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. No. Cool story. It was a good cool topic. story. I it was a good topic recommendation. Uh shout out to Spurgelicious Asshat, one of our loyal Patreons. Actually always has his finger on the pulse of what is interesting and big. Um, in the top, in the out there topics, um, honestly, keep them coming. A lot of great yeah. recommendations. We appreciate you. So maybe we should roll out of this then. I will say first and foremost, thank you to Sidestepping the Sun, a Canadian rock band that made the intro and outro music to the podcast. Shout out to them for that. Secondly, as always, still unofficial sponsor of the podcast. Unofficial sponsor, El Yucateco Hot Sauce. I just love the hot sauce, and I eat it every day, and I put it on everything, and I like spicy food, and if you're a listener and you like spicy food, I can almost promise that you will like El Yucateco Hot Sauce because it's habanero-based. It is not your basic bullshit ketchup hot sauce. It's habanero based so you get that hot flavor that you can't get anywhere else and that's just my opinion i'm going to keep shouting them out until they sponsor this fucking podcast and in lieu of that i will also say listeners um a bunch of you have already reached out to alicateco hot sauce on our behalf and i appreciate the fucking shit out of you for doing that because that's super incredible and that's I don't even know how you describe what that is. That's just amazing that people would do that, but it's awesome. But you could do that. You could reach out. You could tag them and be like, Hey, I tried your hot sauce. I liked it. Um, Swerve podcast sent me your way. That would help us in this endeavor. You know, we're a grassroots movement. We're working our way up. Um, Our numbers are getting close to being to the point where we can approach for sponsorship, but having that poll would be excellent. And you know who you are if you've reached out. Yeah, maybe by uh, episode that. 100, we'll be able to uh, get them as a sponsor, an official that's a sponsor. Good goal. So maybe that's a goal. <laughs> that's a good goal. Um, so that's all I have to say about Alucateco. Do we, we have a bunch of other stuff to say. Yeah, I'll start getting into it. Um, again, I just want to mention that we do have a Patreon. Two tiers. One is a $1 tier which gives you access to the bonus episodes that we release monthly. The second tier is a $3 tier, which gives you those bonus episodes, shout outs on the podcast, but you also get all of our episodes a few days early. Uh, I also want to say um, there's other ways to support us financially, such as buymeacoffee.com. All the proceeds go back into the podcast, better equipment, better stuff. And yeah, just keep, keep, keeps us going. Um, but this is by no means is that the only way to support us. You don't have to support us financially, just simply, you know, reaching out to us on social media, interacting, liking our podcasts, telling your friends about it. It really does go a long way and we really do appreciate it. Um, and then, yeah, you know, um, for the listeners, 
we're still small. Uh, so, you know, when you're not 18 with us, inches, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you interact with us, you know, you'll get a response. You'll, uh, if you suggest a drink, we'll try it. We'll do our best to try it. If you suggest a topic, we'll do our best to research it for you and provide it to you. So, you know, you can learn about things that you're interested in, not just things that we're interested in. Um, yeah, just tell somebody if you've enjoyed it, probably your friends will too. Um, and then, you know, as, as we get bigger, you know, we're educating more people. Um, we're able to do more, more of these topics and yeah. So I also, I want to add to that. We have, um, a sticker pack. We still have some stickers in supply. So if what we've been doing if you, we please, if you could, if you, if, you know, if you have the spare time to do this, the best thing to help support this podcast would be to leave a five-star written review on Apple podcast. And if you do that, please DM us a screenshot of that review and, or just reach out to us, be like, Hey, I did this and we'll mail you out a sticker pack for free, free of charge. There's three different stickers um, that we have they're weatherproof so you can put them on your vehicle um you can put them on your laptop i don't know people put them on their fridge things like this they're dope they're actually dope stickers like i actually really like them and we'll just we'll mail them out to you for free um five star written review on apple podcast but i'll also say i know not everyone uses apple podcast so you can make a case for yourself We've had some listeners be like, hey, I subscribed on YouTube. I liked a bunch of your YouTube videos. I followed you on Instagram. I followed you on Facebook. I like all of your shit. Please, can you send me some stickers? And we sent them stickers. So if you don't have Apple Podcasts and you can't leave a five-star written review, you can still you know, help us out in that way and then reach out to us. We'll send them out to you for sure. It's, it's literally not a problem. It's super simple for us to do. And uh, we would appreciate it. And it, it would help us a lot. Um, what else do I have to say? You said a lot of stuff and it was accurate. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think we might've covered everything. Um, oh, I was going to say also, so we do have, um, so we are, we are starting to on our Instagram, we're doing stories. Um, and we're, we're is, is, help me out here. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> uh, I guess we have like interactive stories, so it'd be really sweet to see the listeners come out and, you know, interact on the polls, um, get your takes on some of the episodes that we've released. Um, just a nice interactive poll, you know, lets us know that um, one, you're interested in the topic and two, you know, if we're um, just kind of gauge what our audience thinks. So yeah, there's lots of ways to interact with us and we do appreciate it. Interact on the polls, vote on the polls, yeah. dance on the polls. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I had something I was going to add to you, but I, I so we're at the end. If anybody's listening still, like this is how it goes sometimes. Like sometimes we yeah. don't, this isn't I, scripted material. Oh, so I was going to say, so the topic recommendations that's actually, please send your topic recommendations. What we what we have been doing, we've been putting them, every topic recommendation we get, we put it in a, a poll. And then we vote on which ones uh, are most interesting. 
and the ones that are at the top each week, those are the ones that we research. So that's kind of how we've been doing things so far, but I will say we give preference to Patreon requests. So when we get a Patreon request, we put a little bit more weight, well, not a little bit, a lot more weight into those ones, but we still, we have done recommendations from um, the common folk as well. So please, if you have topic recommendations, feel free, reach out, we'll put it on the list, then it's on the list, and eventually we'll get to it. Because basically so far, every single person that has requested a topic, we did their topic. Every single person, we've done their topic recommendation, which is something I don't know. A lot of podcast cats say that, but we can right now. <laughs> so if you want if you want us to research something, you want to hear myself or Izzo talk about um, some obscure topic, please reach out. Because that's the thing. We don't know. The premise of the podcast was to do things that we don't know. So when we get the recommendations, usually we have no fucking clue. Like we might have heard the 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 subject, but we never looked at it. So that the, when we get recommendations, it allows us to swerve more. Like for instance, this one, there's no fucking way I would have came across a hundred year old diary of a UFO encounter. I'm just in my day to day life, never going to come across that. So yeah. the fact that it was recommended, now we're getting out there. We're getting into the out there fringe shit that no one hears. Um, and there's so many topics like that, like God helmet, like who the fuck knew a God helmet was a thing. Like these things are out there and it's nice when, um, you know, when they're recommended, cause it's, that's, we get out there into things that we don't even know. And that's, that's the whole premise. So feel free. Don't be shy. If you're still listening, send out a topic. We'll do it. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> Drink recommendations. I already said that like six times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I just see you you finished your your alien uh secretion. Your alien secretion. Um, please. Like we're drinking alien secretions out here. Like if you <laughs> recommend something, we're probably gonna drink it. It's fine. Nobody recommended um, this one. I just found it because it was on theme. <laughs> it was the in the diary. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the diary at the end. It's like P.S. Alien secretion actually tastes like two ounces of coconut and t- three ounces of pineapple. <laughs> and <laughs> it's exactly two what it of tasted melon like. Liqueur. I didn't quite enjoy the forcefulness of the icosahedron, but it secreted a quite fanciful taste. <laughs> it was a quite pleasant in my mouth, and my palate <laughs> was refined. Now I only. Alien secretion. Eat it. I don't even drink it anymore. I freeze it and eat it. I chew it. <laughs> it is it a good drink, quite, though. If, if you're listening, you should try it. The viscosity to it. <laughs> viscosity, you can't yeah. quite drink it. It's like a jelly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a jam. I put it on my morning toast with my... Tea. I don't. I'm trying to be British, but I don't <laughs> quite know how to be British. <laughs> Alien. All British gem. people sound kind of homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our UK listeners. Um, Do you want me to roll out? Yeah, let's roll out. We've been bitching. Thank you for listening. Now slap that ass and ride the wave. Mm-hmm.